Hello and welcome to Baka Banter, a podcast about all things anime and otaku culture. My name is Ravi and I'm joined by the lad whose New Year's resolution was to love himself more by watching only the best shows of the year, Yanatan. That's right, isn't it, Yanni? I knew that you were going to make it a New Year's resolution themed thing. And I guess this makes sense because we've been having this discussion about like, I have for some reason gone back and watched some shows from the previous year that I dropped because, you know, it's a mix of a little bit of self-hate and a little bit of OCD of just wanting to like check off everything that I started in the past year. Normally, I don't recommend doing this just watch the anime that you actually like but occasionally throwing in some some bad anime so you can appreciate the good stuff a little bit more i think evens out you know i've said this for what is it two years now on the pod that i think this is the right philosophy to watching anime like you should mix in some crap like it's fine you should you should get to feel what the good stuff is by watching the shit however you have disagreed with me every time i've said that and now you're watching shikamori which we unilaterally hated together it was not good it's still not good I think it really is a, a mix of what I said earlier. I think the reason I always give you shit for this is because there's so much good anime that I am always bothering you to watch that I want to talk about on the podcast that you haven't gotten around to finishing. And then I'm like, hey, Ravi, what are you watching? And it's like irregular at Magic High School or something, which is like, there are why some are you spending your aspects. time watching this? Some. <laughs> a few. All right, so let's cover a little bit of the news. There's not a lot, I assume, just because of the transition into the new year. So the two pieces of news that I have were, one, the Fate Strange Fake episode that was supposed to actually air towards the end of 2022 didn't air, and it got pushed back to summer 2023. We instead got the seven-minute preview. We actually saw a lot of the marketing and some of the animation cuts for that at Anime NYC, they had like a booth set up for that. I think we talked about that in that episode. I don't know exactly what happened and why it got pushed, but it's only a singular episode and it seems like it's going to be around six months until we actually get to see that. And then the other thing that got announced was the Origairu 10th anniversary project, which we got no information about. So I can't imagine it being an anime because the adaptation is done and there is the Shin OVA, I think, going to still be coming out. So this is probably like a game or a maid cafe or some other kind of collaboration, which is how these things usually go. I mostly included this because it actually struck me that it's been 10 years since Origairu started. That seems like way too long. <laughs> That's mind boggling. I mean, we just had like the SAO, what, like 10th anniversary or some. Yeah, last year. Maybe even longer. And like it was Naruto's like 20th or something like that. Like, yeah. We've had a lot of these milestones coming up for a lot of shows. I don't so. need to feel old every time we do this podcast, <laughs> man. Yeah, but that does happen. And yeah. other than that, we got a bunch of New Year's visuals and the winter 2023 season just started. So we're going to talk about that in a few episodes once we get around to checking out some of the shows that have started to air. But that's about it. I think pretty light on the news this episode. Great. So on today's episode, we're very excited to be joined by a guest who lives at the intersection of food and anime on YouTube, helping us to feed our favorite husbandos and waifus. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey guys, my name is Paul. I go by Chef PK on the internet, and I indeed try to feed all of the best husbandos and waifus, including the trashiest ones. So, you know, we, we have to pay our respects to that because as much as we all love and appreciate my dress-up darling, we have to appreciate... The trash that is, uh, what is it? Rent a girlfriend? My God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to each their own. So we, we try to appreciate all of them. See, this is this is the culture we need on the podcast. I need another <laughs> ally. I, I'm just saying, like, 
it's like video games, right? How many bad video games do you have to go through to get through good ones? But there's so many good ones these days. You're like, what do I spend my time on? But I kid you not, I binge watched, I don't even know the name of the show, but it's the one where they use their butts and boobs to like fight each other on a platform. Keijo, 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 right? Like it's just like a train wreck and it's just fan service the entire time, but it's so much fun. I wouldn't recommend anyone watch it, right? Like I don't want you to know that I watched it, but it was that good. Like you have to appreciate it. But yes, we had a guest come on and they were making the argument that actually Keijo is peak feminist content. It could be. I just I was just like, these girls are getting it. They will (laughs) knock you into oblivion with as much skill and speed as they can. I don't know. I enjoy it. I like sports anime. It's not really a sport, but, you know, it is what it is. For a very obscure show, it's come up. An uh, irregular number of times on this podcast, even though neither of us have seen it. I'm like, I actually hope they make a season two. <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> I'm like can we, who do we have to pay to fund this? You know, like, let's get this going, right? It doesn't have yeah. to be a secret. You could just be open about it. Dude, let's that. just do it. <laughs> so as Paul said, he's really a chef that went to culinary school and worked in various roles in the food industry before transitioning full time to YouTube. Over the past three years, his channel, Chef PK, has amassed nearly 400,000 subscribers. He features videos making dishes from our favorite anime and TV shows, as well as food challenges, competitions, and convention coverage that all seek to build a community around food and anime. Today, we'll be talking with Paul about his career in the food industry, his YouTube channel, and the role of food and anime culture. So let's get into it. So, Chef, if you could eat only food from one anime, TV show, or game for the rest of your life, which oh, would it be? That's rough. Um, because they're ever-evolving, I actually just finished filming a video for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, which was really fun, right? Like, I actually really like Violet and Scarlet, regardless of the myriad issues that it has. It's a fun game. There's a ton of food in it, and it's Spanish-influenced, which is really cool. So I, I'm a big fan of Spanish food. That's a contender for me. Plus, they have a ton of sandwiches. Like, sandwiches are, like, your go-to, right? Anything you can put in between bread or in a bowl is good in my book, right? And jelly donuts, too. And right? jelly donuts, so. right? I did make jelly donuts <laughs> for that episode and spoilers because it's the video is coming out, I think, in like a week or something. I definitely filled rice balls with lemon curd and it was so good. <laughs> it was so good, right? Like, have you guys ever had the coconut mango rice, like a Thai kind of The sticky dessert? rice, yeah. it, it tasted like that. Yeah, it tasted like that, but it was lemon curd. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, rice is just a neutral <laughs> carrier of flavor, right? That's a contender for me right now. My Dress Up Darling is also really good, but that just kind of goes back to Japanese cuisine. They showed some really good things in there. But I think for variety's sake, I would probably still go with Food Wars just because it's kind of it's kind of a cop-out answer. But the reason for that is because of the variety within the show itself, whether or not it's the different students like cooking things up, whatever it might be. They have things from the uh, the arc where they all have their own booth and they're all cooking different things, mm-hmm. the festival arc. And so you have street food there, you have elevated food, you have all different types of cuisines, and it's like you can't really go wrong. You know, I definitely thought you were going to say Food Wars as an answer, and then you started off with Pokemon, and I was like genuinely surprised. Yeah, Pokemon is definitely a contender, and also because the food in Pokemon is much more attainable 
than some of the food in Food Wars. Like, especially season five. We just don't talk about season five. Season five belongs in the <laughs> trash. I don't know why they decided to make season five. I'd rather watch Rent a Girlfriend again than season five of Food Wars. <laughs> I was actually going to ask. I mean, I figured this would come up at some point, but how much do you like Food Wars? Yeah, I actually really enjoy it. I roasted it hard when I first started, but it really grew on me. And the reason why I started to really enjoy it is because it did remind me of like what I went through for culinary school. It reminded me of my time in the industry in a lot of ways, but also it got me thinking to like remove a lot of the rigidity of the culinary world. A lot of people don't know this, but if you're working for someone, most of the time you have to abide by their rules, right? It's their dollar. They're paying for everything. So what was cool about Food Wars is you just see people experimenting all the time because you're in school. So you have that luxury. And that's what we had in culinary school as well. We were always able to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. And you didn't really have to do everything by the book because our chefs encouraged us to kind of just experiment more than you're able to in the restaurant industry. So that's why I really did enjoy Food Wars for that aspect. I think it's really interesting. And the reason I asked is when there's an anime or I guess really any piece of media that touches on something that you have expertise in or is like one of your major hobbies, it can be very polarizing. And either you're like, oh, yeah, they really captured what I love about the thing that I already do or like they really butchered in and doesn't match my experience mm -hmm. at all. Like we've been talking a lot about Blue Lock and Aoashi oh, Blue Lock. in the past yeah. years since those both came out. And I am a big, big soccer fan and I played soccer in college and like throughout my entire life. So it's been really kind of interesting watching those shows and having different reactions to them. So that's the reason that I asked. I actually really enjoy Blue Lock because I played a lot of sports in high school, but I'm watching this and I'm like, you know, some of it may make sense. But it's the same as uh, what was the basketball and Kuroko's no basket, Kuroko no basket. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing where like he dribbles so fast. It makes you dizzy. I'm like, nah, bro, it doesn't work like that. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's not realistic. It's not realistic. Some of the stuff in Blue Lock, I actually believe more than the stuff in like Kuroko's, whereas the stuff in Food Wars, except for season five, is actually very achievable. Right. Where you look at Toriko and Toriko is like, you're like, bro, you can't do anything in Toriko. Right. Even Golden Master Boy. I've only seen a couple of episodes of that now. Some of the stuff like the thousand layer croissant. Right. I think Binging with Babish did one or I guess Anime with Alvin did an episode on that where they made the thousand layer croissant. The problem with that is someone who is like baked for quite a bit professionally. When you cook a croissant that long, you lose all the butter because you have to cook it so long to where it gets black and whatever. You know, then it gets dry and it's like eating chalk. So you can't really make the black croissant, whatever. It's anime though. So you do your best. You know, you you can't eat like Luffy. There's no way you'd die, <laughs> right? So you just do your best. I think there's a level of inspiration that a lot of people took from Food Wars. Like even myself, I grew up liking cooking, but watching Food Wars was one of the times when I was like, oh, there's a lot of experimentation that can mm -hmm. go into it and you can really play with your food. And that was fantastic. And I think opened a lot of people up to cooking that otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. And I think that what the internet really needed in kind of where my journey started is people who enjoyed Food Wars and thought the way you think, they needed validation from someone else who's been in it longer. So for me, like I've been watching anime longer than I've been cooking. I started with Pokemon. So it was what, seven, you know, like waking up in the morning, watching Pokemon before school, before you knew Pokemon was technically anime. So I, I think that the- Classic. Yeah, right. The, the internet just needed that professional validation, you know, because it's, it is what we look for. 
You know, you see Dr. Mike reacting to like medical TikToks or whatever. And you're like, oh, he's a professional in the field. He's talking about this. I value the opinion of that. And I think that's kind of where I filled this weird, weird void that I still don't know how I, you know, how I accomplish <laughs> any of that. Well, transitioning from that, you talked a little bit about your experience with Pokemon. What other anime manga did you really get into as a kid? And what was your experience like growing up with anime? So if we consider Pokemon as like the anime, not anime that most of us enjoyed as our first, especially for someone like me, like I just turned 36. So Pokemon was my thing. After that, though, that's when I really started to discover that anime was Japanese cartoons, right? But they can also have like the more adult themes. And that's when you found Dragon Ball Z. But I only discovered, man, it's going to date me so bad. I only discovered Dragon Ball Z thanks to Toonami on Cartoon Network back in the day, right? With like Tom and everything. And you watch that. And then because it was Dra Dragon Ball Z was on Toonami, it also had like Outlaw Star and Cowboy Bebop. And you're like, wow, I'm 12 <laughs> and I get to watch <laughs> these things, right? Because they're cartoons. Yeah. That was really what got me into all of this. I would say Dragon Ball Z had the biggest influence on me watching other stuff. But Dragon Ball Z, is, it's a shonen, right? There aren't a lot of deep meanings behind Dragon Ball Z. It's like, you know, bad guy, go burr, Goku, fight bad guy. And, you know, and, and the other characters actually have more character development than Goku ever does. There's an article I read about how, like, Goku never changes, but the people around him do. So that he's just kind of like the baseline for everything in the show. And everyone else is the people you should pay attention to. I won't get into it. I'm going to get flamed for this one. Uh, <laughs> but but Dragon Ball Z was like my gateway aside from Pokemon. Because Pokemon really was a kid's show. In hindsight, it was meant for us to buy Pokemon product. And so what did I do? I didn't spend money on snacks at school. I bought packs of Pokemon cards after like saved up for like four or five days. Right. Go to like 7-Eleven and buy a pack of Pokemon cards, which I wish I still had because probably be worth a lot of money. I have that exact same experience. Yeah. I was big on the Pokemon anime, but also on Pokemon games. Yep. And I also had cards and those cards were all just in a super nice book that at some point, I think when I got to high school, I kind of like still played some of the games, but kind of forgot I had the cards. And at some point, I think my parents even asked me, but they like gave all the cards away, like the book with all the cards in them. And now I'm like, damn. Yep. I like actually really want that. So I think for a lot of people, that interest kind of like comes full circle as they get it, older. It actually. does. Like I actually ran into the exact same situation. I visited my parents after, you know, whatever, six, seven months. And my, my mom had found all of my old Pokemon cards. And she's like, do you want these? I was like, yes, please. Right. This is literally seven months ago. And it's all of like my base set and unlimited and fossil cards. And I didn't have any first editions, unfortunately, but like it's still cool to have. And they're all just in a binder because I never played the game. But what I really realize is like when you jump into Dragon Ball, like you buy the Dragon Ball shirts, you become part of that fandom and you find other people who are interested in it, which wasn't common. I don't know if you guys ran into this, but like finding other anime fans back in the day was super difficult. You had maybe like the anime club in middle school or high school and that was it. We've talked about this with a lot of other guests, but that's something that at least I never had growing up. There were a few kids that liked anime, but those were the kids that were on the lowest level of the social hierarchy yeah 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 yeah, for sure and so whenever you'd see that it, it would be hard to express that you liked something else when everyone was like oh these people are weird mm -hmm. and it seems like in the last 10 years is really when like nerd culture and fandoms have started to come out and become normalized and socially accepted i agree there i think that nerd culture 
is interesting, right? Where we've probably always enjoyed it. Like my best friends in high school that I still talk to to this day, we enjoy Star Wars. We enjoy anime. We enjoy playing Pokemon together. We're going to be raiding in WoW again tonight together. A game that we played literally 20 years ago, right? We're like, let's just jump in and play some. And you hold on to those people because they weren't very common. My best friend and I, who was, I was his best man. He was my best man, right? We used to go and like play the Dragon Ball Z trading card game at the mall on the weekends and do like tournaments and stuff. You kind of realize now there was actually a statistic because I don't, I don't do sports. I played sports. I don't care to watch them. You know, I, I don't have any interest in following along with them. And I make fun of my friends because they're super into fantasy football, but they won't play like D&D or whatever, right? I'm like, it's the same, guys. You have characters with stats. That's all it is. They have different outfits and uniforms and armor, right? Whatever it is. And I told them, I was like, the anime industry made twice as much money as the NFL last year. It's not like this niche, weird thing anymore, right? Like, it actually made more than Hollywood in 2021. I'm like, that's like Avengers and Marvel, and right? Like anime did better and that's wild to think because we're always kind of thinking like oh we're the outcasts but now it's like ha, yeah. now we're mainstream <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah it really is mainstream you, you mentioned that you've had these sort of lifelong friends that were also interested in anime and a lot of the aspects of nerd culture that you were how was it with your family transitioning kind of from your interest in it as a kid growing up, were they pretty supportive? And how has it been actually as you've made it into your career? How have they sort of responded to that? They never cared that I like watched anime. Actually, my mom would like buy me the Pokemon game or something and, you know, get me the Game Boy. And she's like, yeah, have fun. Like, I don't, you're not hurting anybody. You're not being an idiot. Like, have fun. I don't care. Yeah. So they were just kind of passive about that. And with the YouTube thing, when that kind of evolved into the anime thing, my dad's so funny because he'll like watch my videos. He's like, oh, this video didn't do as good as the last one. You know? I'm like, dang. I was like, I should just have you be my like be my like, analyst, right? He'll he knows. They're super supportive about it. They they don't care. They're just like, if you're having fun and you're enjoying what you're doing and you know you're still able to like pay your bills, go have fun with it. They're actually the ones who like have printed my cookbooks in the past and stuff like that. So that's cute. Yeah, they're they're super supportive, which is which is great. A lot of people don't have that. And I'm very blessed that I have that. And so you just try to keep it wholesome. You know, we're just cooking. It's nothing really crazy. It's interesting because the disparity is definitely true between Yanni and myself yeah. still with our family on the pod. Like my family's supportive, but they're just not really engaged with the content. They don't really listen to it. They mm -hmm. don't really know what anime is or watch it versus Yanni's Wait, family. Did it, didn't over the holidays, your dad ask you if you're still doing that anime podcast thing? Yeah. Because I was wearing this exact <laughs> shirt and he's like, are you still, are you still doing that? Like, mm -hmm. is this a thing still? And I was like, oh my God. Yep. I, I, I don't know if it's different in the audio versus visual world, but like my grandparents watch my videos, you know, cause like I don't live near them. So they're like, yeah. oh, Paul's video yeah. is up. Let's watch it. You know, my little cousins watch it. I think it's different because they get to see me. And so it's a way of connecting with family in that way. And it's also food. So it's not strictly anime i actually had a great conversation with another creator pat flynn recently like we met up and he has a pokemon channel and he's been around for a long time and we talk about how like in this case food and anime are just ways of telling stories right so for me yes anime is the forefront of what i do but it's also just a storytelling element to make an idea happen i want to really try to eat like all might next month that's a task 
right? Like <laughs> he eats like 7,800 calories a day, but I could just go buy like two Costco pizzas and drink a two liter of soda and that's 7,800 calories, right? That's boring as hell. So we're thinking of ideas of making it interesting, entertaining, keeping people to the end, you know, and really going into storytelling. So I wonder if with familial support, if like there is a difference in the audio versus visual, because my parents will probably watch me try to eat like all might to my detriment, you know, and uh, but they'll think it's fun. They don't even care about the character. They just want to see everything else involved. I do think what you said about having the content itself be kind of general and accessible and at the end of the day just being about cooking probably makes a big difference because like Ravi said there's a disparity here and my parents are subscribed and they'll listen to episodes but we are very anime focused so if we're doing like a deep dive breaking down the themes of like some obscure Masaki Yuasa anime that's a little bit less accessible my parents are probably going to skip that episode whereas all of these guest episodes that we do where we're talking to people about different facets of the industry and doing really interesting stuff in anime or related to anime, then my parents are like, oh yeah, I'll definitely listen to someone who's been a translator or a voice actor or a YouTuber or something like that. And they'll actually get a lot out of it. So that, that probably also makes a big difference. Yep. I I hundred percent agree. And because we all kind of live in our own worlds, I go to anime conventions. I'm working on new cosplays. I'm working on recipes and new books and new products and stuff that all do really have a lot to do with anime. But if you kind of alienate other crowds they may never realize that they are interested in something like anime because there's no other device to pull them in so in my case i'm like food is universal you could sit down and have a meal with someone who doesn't speak the same language with you and you could have a good time but then if you want to have a conversation about like the anime you enjoy you can't right so that's kind of how i see it i'm like no i found this universal medium which really is food and then introduce my little bits of like nerddom into that, if that makes sense. So we're talking about food, and I wanted to get into your origin story with food here a little bit, too. You've mentioned before that growing up, you had a complicated relationship with food. And I was wondering, how did that shape your perspective around food? And in the same way with anime, did you have a supportive community around it? It's it's an interesting question. So like the reason why I went into cooking is like I guess I was always in in the kitchen kind of thing. Like my parents would show me pictures of like me at two, like pulling pots and pans out and just banging them. But you know, you're a kid, right? It doesn't say anything. I always enjoyed cooking because it was a way for me to touch base with people on a different level. Where when you're a teenager, you're like, what do you do? You go to the mall or go watch a movie or something. Instead of be like, yo, you want to come over and let's make some food right? It's a very different environment. And when you're in high school, you're like, what? Like, we're going to cook, you know, but then you find the people who do come through and you, you just hang out and play video games and eat the food you just made. And it's very different. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I actually, originally, this is when I was going to high school, I wanted to actually go to school or college for graphic design. I wanted to be a game designer. And because I played video games my whole life, right? I was like, no, that'd be cool. I want to make video games. And I went to Art Institute of San Diego in California. And I did the tour. This is in the 11th grade, did the tour looking around and they take me upstairs to do a full tour of the facilities. And I, and I see the kitchens, the professional like setup kitchens. And I was like, I want to do that instead. Sign me up for that program. It was literally just like that. No other thought. I was like, Oh, I don't have to sit all day at a desk. That sounds great. And I get to cook and eat. That sounds amazing. And literally just from that day, I stopped. It was really bad. You know, go to school kids. Uh, but I was in, I was in like 
the the IB classes, like the AP classes, all these elevated classes. And when I decided I was going to culinary school and they weren't taking any of those credits, I was like, nope, I'm taking sci-fi fantasy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not taking math this year. Like none of it, right? I only did four periods and left because I was going to culinary school and they didn't accept any of the units. So I was like, whatever. But going to culinary school was so much fun. It was a lot of work and there was a lot of trials, tribulations, heartache, like everything, but I wouldn't give it for anything. Like I learned so much and I still talk to some of the people from culinary school. You kind of have that camaraderie with people. You don't need to go to culinary school, but education is very important to me. And I still, to this day, I will spend thousands of dollars a year. Like I set aside money from the business for education whether or not it's going to a YouTube conference, whether or not it's you know maybe learning some new cooking skills. like I will always set aside money for education because it's so important to me. But going to culinary school really had introduced me to cuisines I'd never experienced before. Growing up in San Diego, you have a ton, a ton of food. You, you can get any cuisine you want in San Diego. But what I realized is maybe because of the anime thing, but in my sixth what was it sixth quarter so this is like a year and a half in it's only a two-year program in my sixth quarter we did world studies and for four of the months we did japanese cuisine and that's when i just immediately fell in love with it i was like oh this is this is adjacent to the thing that i really enjoy already to the thing you weren't allowed to talk about because people would still think you're weird that you liked anime you know i was the guy in culinary school with like a a yorichi picture in my binder right <laughs> like i was literally that guy and uh, i was like yeah the best waifu right uh <laughs> and no joke dude it's so bad that's so amazing uh, it's it, it, i mean you know it is what it is um and in culinary school that's when i found my love for japanese cuisine and out of culinary school my first job was at a really high-end japanese restaurant in san diego i was able to get the job because i went to school and also I had friends that worked there who vouched for me. So it was one of those things as well. I mean, from there, it just kind of took over my life in good and bad ways. That's kind of the origin story. It really was just on a whim. A lot of people are like, oh, you've been cooking forever. It's like, nah, man, I wanted to make video games. <laughs> I want to talk about also your actual career in the food industry after culinary school. But just going back to culinary school for a second, I think a lot of people are probably listening, and I don't know about Robbie, but at least I have like no sense for what culinary school even looks like. So can you give us maybe some idea? I know it's a pretty broad question mm -hmm. of just like, what does the curriculum look like? What are the classes like? What kinds of different things are you learning? Are there specializations? Like kind of just how mm -hmm. does it work overall? So what was interesting about Art Institute is they weren't just a culinary school. They had graphic design, they had interior design, they had fashion, all of these different creative disciplines is what I would call them. And what I liked about culinary school and the way you started is literally first day is how to handle a knife. You show up and they're teaching you grooming skills, not necessarily like anything else. It's like how to handle a knife. Are your fingernails trimmed? Is your beard kept? Is your hair pulled back? If you're wearing nail polish, here's nail polish remover, go to the bathroom, take it off, right? Like all of these things, because it all leads into safety and health. You have long fingernails in the kitchen. That's disgusting, right? Like it gets all caught up in your fingernails. Then it goes into somebody's food. So like they teach you those things. Then it's how to use a saute pan and you put beans in it and you just hear the whole class like shaking beans in a saute pan, <laughs> right? Like very, very basic. Yeah. They teach you how to make stocks, mother sauces, whatever. But all I remember 
is my first quarter was what we called skills class. So how to do stocks, soups, prep work, knife skills, whatever. We started with 40 people. By the time that quarter was over, we only had 20 people left. That's how many people dropped out, right? They're like, this isn't for me. I'm like, bro, we we barely cooked. You know, people are are out. Uh, From there though, you you go into things like garmage, which is all platter work and making cold meat terrines and stuff, which are, they're like blended meats in a way. It sounds very interesting. It's like pate. Then you're going into maybe French cuisine and then you're going into baking and pastry for four months and you're literally just baking cookies and you're making so many baked goods and learning how to do bread. And then you take it downstairs to other classes and be like, yo, I got a bag of cookies. Here you go. You know, just hand out stuff. <laughs> but the the thing that I loved the most about culinary, the culinary school I went to anyways, because I know there's schools like CIA, uh, Culinary Institute of America, and a few other ones where they're just culinary. So I don't know how they operate. One of my best friends, a chef friend, he's the executive sous chef, I believe, at the Phoenix Hyatt. Great guy. He, he's a far better chef than I am. And he went to CIA. For me, I went at, at our institute, what I loved what they did is they incorporated the other disciplines within the school, in your program. So we had to, for our senior project, we had to make our own restaurant. So it was like me and two other culinary students. And then we had a um, an interior designer, a graphic designer, and I think a fashion designer. And we all had to design a restaurant. You know, everything from designing the menus to we had to execute the food as like an open house, right? So you're actually doing this. The interior designers had to make the booth and, you know, all it's super fun and it gives you a taste of what the industry could be. So you didn't just see the food side of it. Because imagine if you're in culinary school and you spend two years of your life cooking, but then you get to your senior project and you're like, I never thought I could pursue the culinary world by being an interior designer for restaurants. Because there are some people who didn't care as much for the food aspect anymore, but they're like, oh my God, this this is it. This is what I want to do. It's kind of like the food wars setting where there's so many things happening that one thing will speak to you and then you just pursue it. I really feel like Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential opened the door on this. Mm-hmm. But more and more recently, we've seen depictions of what the restaurant industry is showing a stressful or sometimes toxic environment. How do those portrayals compare to your experience actually working in that industry? So for me, I like a lot of people are like, oh, the restaurant industry is toxic and this and that. I have yet to experience a truly like toxic environment, right? And I think it also has to do with the fact that usually the owners are involved. They're like, yo, what are you doing? You know, this is not okay. Unless it's the chef that's the owner, then that's a different story. I I know that maybe during Bourdain's time, it was a little more lawless in a way. Like he talks about the pirate crew in the book, right? Like it's, it's a fantastic book. Highly recommend it. It's not very long. Listen to it on Audible. You get to listen to Bourdain narrate it. It's fantastic. It's like eight hours long. But what I experienced is you treated people with respect and they treated you with respect. We never had like a chef throw pans. People got, you know, a little angry every now and then, but it's like, yo, chill. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, it's whatever. I had one manager, uh, his name was Clint and Clint, he wasn't, the greatest manager, but you know, he had his moments, right? Like God bless you, buddy. (laughs) One day we were just getting slammed in one of the restaurants I was working in is for the big hotel. And he comes through and he sees that we're kind of stressed. So he comes through and he like, he's helping run food and whatever. He's like, guys, 
remember, it's just food and drink. And I'm like, he's kind of right. You know, like, yeah, we want to do it right. But I was like, shit, it is just food and drink. You know, and that kind of, it, it kind of makes you think, you're like, damn, why are we stressing? Michelin stars aside, all that other stuff, like you're just trying to make a good product for people. And so the toxicity environment, one of the shows, if you guys haven't seen it yet, called The Bear, I believe it is. That's the one I was going to also mention as phenomenal this, show yeah. because the bear to me is actually more real than Kitchen Confidential in a lot of ways because Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential took place a long time ago. The bear feels like it's more recent where you have this like this hodgepodge crew that's coming together to try to make a good product, but they're just not ready for it. So that to me is a little more accurate. I've worked with Scottish chefs who like come in still drunk, but they throw down. They're like, <laughs> we're, we're doing this. You know, it, I, I worked for one pub that shall not be named just in case when it was about to get busy, you'd have the one hostess who comes through and she's like the cutest, like 19 year old. She comes through. She's like, guys, I'm sorry. I just sat at the restaurant. I'm like, what are you? That's like 400 people. You had 400 people walk in at the same time. How did you manage that? You all speedy Gonzalez, you know, like running around seating people. And so then the manager would come in and hand a shot to Jameson. You know, it's like, let's get to it. And you just <laughs> take a shot of Jameson and start cooking. Eight hours later, you just, everything is just gone. It's wild. The, the restaurant industry is crazy. I've worked in environments like that. And I worked in very money-driven hotel environments too. They're all very different. They each, I guess, have a role in your career. So for, for anyone out there, like who's, who's possibly listening, wants to go to culinary school or wants to pursue culinary, like don't get sucked into just one part of it. Don't get sucked into just restaurants or just breakfast or just dinner. Or, you know, like I've done everything from making ice cream for salt and straw to baking fresh sourdough by hand for little mom and pop shops, right? You get so much more experience. We talked a little bit about different shows and books and stuff just now. So I have to ask, are you a Great British Bake Off fan? No. I, I don't know what it is. But, um, Damn. It, it, I just, it's, when I watch stuff, I usually watch anime. And it's just, yeah. it's just my medium of choice. Great British Bake Off, the most I've seen of it is people roasting it. And, yeah. you know, it is what it is. It's usually like home cooks try they're trying their best you know they're living their best life making stuff i just i don't know i don't like the drama i don't like i don't care i don't watch it for that a really good show was uh chef amari gushan i believe i pronounced his name right it's a school of chocolate that's really good it's like professionals doing the professional thing and they're doing really cool work that i watched all the way through that was great but usually when you see people who are not in the industry it's more for the the entertainment aspect I'm like eh, i'll just watch people on tiktok or something instead <laughs> you know maybe i'll get more like more yeah. fun ideas i feel like that's at least part of the reason why bake off took off so much is that it's still in the competition format and obviously it's not professionals but it is a little bit more toned down than a lot of like the really really mm -hmm. intense competition shows that you see in the united states so that's i think part of the appeal of it i've watched all of it i think mostly because it's like a chill thing that my family like started watching together so that we just continued watching it but yeah that's fair i could i could see it as being like something that you all watch together right yeah like oh the new episode is out or whatever the case is yeah. but i don't know with cooking competitions after food wars i'm like eh you know, they're all kind Nothing of... Nothing compares. They're, they're literally all mid, right? <laughs> they're literally all mid. And it's really sad to say, 
but is it cake? Like, no, bro, you're like three <laughs> football fields away. How are you going to tell if it's cake or not? You know, like what, what is this show? I mean, nothing compares when your judge's clothes aren't blowing off. So. Bro. Yeah, exactly. If, if you ain't getting naked, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> So after working in the food industry for about a year and a half, you actually decided to quit your job and travel around Japan. And so as a huge anime fan and Japanophile, how did your time there compare to what you had actually imagined of Japan growing up watching anime? So Japan was an interesting trip for me because it was after that first job at the Japanese restaurant, I went to my chef and I was like, hey, I'm going to take a month off and just travel. And he's like, what, what, so you're quitting? It's like, yeah, I'm going to put in my, I gave him three months, right? I gave a three month notice because I'm like that. I'm like, you know, find somebody, I'll train them, whatever it is, you know, you're good. The executive chef of the hotel came by. He's like, Paul, if you stay, we'll give you a raise and all this. I'm like, it's not about that. Like, I literally just want to travel and I don't want to be tied to coming back if I decide not to. The trip to Japan was more of like me escaping some things that had happened in my life, like loss of family and all this other stuff. And it was a way for me to go explore this thing that I could potentially see myself doing for the rest of my life, like cooking, right? And enjoying anime. I went by myself for what is 20, 24, 25 days or something like that. And it was the trip of a lifetime. And I wish I would have... I wish it would have gone a little bit later in life because I think I would have appreciated it more because I went when I was 22, right? I was just like, oh, I'm gone. Bye. You know, I'm going to go to Japan for 25 days or something. But being out there, you're like, oh, it's not weird to wear a Dragon Ball Z t-shirt or enjoy, you know, this anime or enjoy food in a certain way. It kind of opened my eyes up a little bit more. And after that trip and really experiencing everything that I could. Like the first day that I was there, I walked 18 hours, right? Like just walking, exploring stuff. And my feet after the first day were literally like, like they were like throbbing and just in pain. So this is, I'm going to date myself. The only method of communication I had, because there were no smartphones at the time, like that you could get, I had a PlayStation portable as my only (laughs) like uh, communication device. So I found somewhere with Wi-Fi because it's everywhere. Busted out the PlayStation Portable and like it had Google, maybe. I don't even know what it was at the time, but let's just say Google. And I typed in like skate shop Tokyo. I walked to a skate shop and I bought a longboard and then I skated all over Tokyo and and Osaka (laughs) and Kyoto. And I was like, this is the way to do it. I had so much fun. That sounds great. But what was really fascinating to me is that I started to fall in love with like the culture the street life, the the food, like the people in general were super sweet to me. I knew a little bit of Japanese at the time to like ask for a few things, directions, whatever. Everybody was super helpful. There was one instance where I went to a barbecue place, a yakiniku place, and I had no idea was where this place was. I was admittedly a little bit buzzed. Uh, I was in uh, Roppongi. I had no idea what was happening. Walking down the street and I see this place that just had like a sign for like yakiniku. And it was in English, so I could, you know, actually read it. I was like, great, maybe they'll have an English menu. I walked in, you go downstairs, and when you start walking downstairs, you see this little, like, smoke cloud layer, right? Because there's barely any ventilation. And I'm like, whatever, I, I'm going to, I'm eating. It's, it smells great. You walk down, it's a mixture of, like, cigarettes and meat smoke. Perfect. <laughs> but when you, at this place, when you go alone, 
they don't give you a full barbecue by yourself, right? Because it's like midnight, yeah. you know, and the place is pretty full. So they sat me at like a communal table and with like two guys who were probably there together wearing the same like business suits and then one other dude. And the other guy sitting next to me, he spoke English really well. So we started talking. And then the other two Japanese businessmen, they got in on the conversation. And then it all of a sudden was like bottles of sake, lots of meat. We're there till like 2.30 in the morning. You know, I tried to pay. And the guy next to me is like, they got it. I was like, what? You know, like, I can't even, like, I'm like, oh, thank you. And that was it. Like, we all just went our <laughs> way. I was like, that was amazing. You know, it, it, it doesn't happen to everybody. I'm not saying that happened every night. Yeah. But those experiences made me really want to move out there and experience the culture more. So I actually tried to move out there. I got a job with the Hyatt in San Diego and it's a fantastic job. I worked there for, it ended up being almost 10 years. I was with that company, but uh, initially I tried to transfer out to Kyoto because I loved Kyoto and the Kyoto Hyatt, probably one of the most amazing hotels I've ever been to. And had like my green card getting set up, had the transfer going. I didn't even have to take a, a Japanese competency test because they spoke a lot of English in the kitchen. I would just have to take classes. And then the tsunami hit in 2011 and they oh. stopped everything. They just like no foreigners can come in and get jobs, obviously, because we want our people if they're displaced to be able to work. And like, I get it. Right. So my life stayed here and it ended up being a positive thing too, because I now have this life that I don't think I would have had if I had moved to Japan. But it's just, now we're going back in October to visit my wife and I. We're gonna go there to film a ton of content. And being out there, I think if you enjoy Japanese culture, but you only enjoy one or the other, like you only enjoy anime, but maybe not the food, I don't think it's worth the visit. Right. Like, yeah, it would be cool to go to Akihabara. It's it's cool to go to, you know, see all these great anime places. But the food is the standout. You can get like a bowl of rice with some meat and some pickled vegetables for like seven bucks. Right. And, and it's delicious. Or you can walk down the street and uh, I, I don't know how it is where you guys are. Where are you located? You're in New York. We're in New York. You're in New York. So you guys might have some like farmers markets and shops and stuff like that. Same thing out in the Portland area. But in Japan, like at a farmer's market out here, usually if you're buying something, it's enough for like four or five servings. When I was out in Japan, I could get like a meat stick or I can get like one onigiri, you know, like you could do that. So I'd eat literally everything. You're just walking around eating as much as you can, shoving things in your face, you know, and, and the food culture to me just was outstanding. So it, that is why I want to go back. Right. The anime stuff is cool and it's fun, yeah. but I'm like, I'm trying to eat. <laughs> like That's what I want to do. I mean, both of us do really want to go to Japan and I've been talking about it for a while. I even had do a whole it. trip planned pre-COVID yeah. and we'll go to Akihabara, I guess. But like our main goals to go to Japan has pretty much nothing to do with anime. Like I'm a big photographer. Like I want to go Absolutely. take photos there. We want to eat there, like see a bunch of different cities. Like that's really the goal is to be immersed in culture. So I think the right take is probably what you just said about mm -hmm. not going specifically for right. anime. Because realistically... The anime stuff is in the big cities, right? It's in Tokyo. It's in Osaka. You'll find the shops. You'll find whatever. But then the culture is everywhere else too. So like one of our spots is we really want to go to Hokkaido. We want to go drink like Hokkaido milk, you know, or, or go to go to <laughs> Aomori and get apples, you know, do that. 
I'm not trying to go to Aomori and be like, yo, let me go find a Gundam shop, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's a very different thought process. And that's why yeah. I think if you really, really like the anime culture, yes, you can still go have an amazing time. But find one other thing you're going to enjoy doing, right? Maybe it's, I want to go take some amazing photography out in the countryside or i really want to go find this is also anime related i want to go find all of the the pokemon manholes that are laid out around japan whatever it is like find something else because it's an expensive trip i have to ask one more thing about food in japan and i think one of the things that i always hear i mean we both love japanese food so i just baseline want to ask you kind of what your favorite foods from japan are but i think one thing that people that go to Japan often say is that just the baseline level of food in terms of the quality is so, so high. Like we obviously have amazing food in New York. I'm sure you do mm-hmm. in Portland as well. Like I grew up in Seattle, like mm-hmm. food's great there, but you do have to search for it, right? Yeah. Like you can go definitely go to places that are bad and you really have to like read the reviews. And what I've heard about Japan is that the standard is just really, really high that most places are going to be pretty good so was that your experience and then also just kind of what japanese foods are your favorite yeah i i can safely say i did not have a single bad meal out there right and this is coming from someone who like couldn't read kanji i get like half the time just pointing to something on a menu but like, i'll just take that right and they just send me something i didn't have a single bad meal but also as a chef i am not arrogant or prideful enough to say like i will send something back you know if something is mid i'd be like yo you know it is what it is it was 12 bucks unless it's like hey like i can't it's raw you know like the the burger wasn't cooked like i'll do right i'd be like yo can you just whatever but i'm not going to be that guy to be hey this is this is not worth my 12.95 like yo just eat it move on right (laughs) but i'm also i like eating cheap i think that some of the best food is just the stuff on the street you're going to a Michelin restaurant. You're not going for the food. You're going for the experience. The food is great. The food is amazing at a lot of those restaurants, right? I've, I've gone to a couple of them out here in Portland, uh, not Michelin, but just really nice tasting dinners. And it's great, but it's more about the experience. But in Japan, I was gravitating towards like, I want Odin on the street for five bucks. I want the candied yams in a little container, plastic container for $4, $2 or whatever. So I liked spending cheap and having really tasty food that didn't need to be presented in a crazy way. There was only one thing that I didn't like, and this is personal, was cuttlefish. And if you've never had cuttlefish, it's very chewy, right? When not prepared right. And I have a texture problem. So like, I didn't know what it was. So it was on one of those conveyor belt sushi places and I just grabbed it. I'm like, I'm taking plates, right? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I'm popping fish in my mouth, eating. And then I grabbed one of the cuttlefish pieces and I popped it in my mouth and I just started chewing and I'm like, oh shit, this is not, (laughs) I can't swallow this, right? Like I literally would chew and chew and chew and it wouldn't break down and I put more rice in my mouth and try to chew more. And then just, you know, I did one of those things like I went to like wipe my mouth with the napkin and just put it in the napkin and just put it, literally I put it in my pocket, (laughs) right? I'm like, I can't, I don't want to be that guy. Like I'm not going to be that rude about it. I just could I couldn't do it. But to each their own, you know? And it's just, it's a different vibe. Like, you can spend 500 bucks on a meal in Japan or you can spend five bucks on a meal and you're probably going to be happy. So let's talk a little bit about your transition from the food industry and this trip to Japan to your YouTube channel. So maybe start from the beginning there. What was your inspiration for starting the channel? And did you have a vision for the channel when you started out with your early Chef Reacts Mm. videos? Walk us through how some of that went. So 
where I was at the time that I started my channel was kind of in a bad place in my career where I was working for one small shop and I did really enjoy it there, but there was no room for growth, right? Like I was already managing the menus because it was only breakfast and lunch. So I was the chef for breakfast and lunch and it was a great little shop, but like mom and pop shops, you can only grow so much. The only other option was to go back to hotel work. And I know that hotel work, it wasn't for me. When I was managing a hotel, it became more about the numbers than it did about food. And that's when I was like, you have to have a balance. But when you're answering to a company where one percentage point can make or break two or three million dollars, like that's what they're focused on. So I didn't want to do that. I had tried the YouTube thing once before what I'm doing now. And I actually am very into cosplay. I don't know if you can see it on camera, but there's that sword back there. Yeah. That's from uh, that's Dawnbringer Riven's sword from League of Legends. Admitted League of Legends slum over here. Um, <laughs> but like I 3D printed it. I did a talk at a maker fair on how to make something like that with a small printer. So I was trying to do that for YouTube. And the channel that I had was all about cosplays and like prop making and like how to turn nerf blasters into cosplay weapons and whatever, right? And it was fun. And I think I got that channel up to like 9,000 subs. And I couldn't keep up with it because I wasn't good at it. I could be good at it if I had time to just sit and do the thing. But because of how YouTube works, there's no way I can make one prop a week, right? With working full time. So I tried all that. I got frustrated. And I was listening to another YouTuber. His name is Roberto Blake. And he talks about like how to grow YouTube and that kind of thing. And I think he he had said something along the lines of, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? And what can you make money on? And I literally sat at this chair, right? This is now in a different room, but I sat at this chair. I was like, okay, I'm good at cooking. I enjoy anime and I can make money on YouTube, right? To like make a career. And so I literally threw on a chef coat. I was like, I'm watching anime, right? And that was it. <laughs> that was it. And I threw on a chef coat. I was like, what food anime is around? And I found Food Wars. And I think it was maybe up to season three at that point that I had found it. And I just reacted to one episode. I was like super grumpy, right? I was like, this. I tried to be very Gordon <laughs> Ramsay, but I was also, I think, just in a bad place. So I, I didn't have the energy. I didn't, I wasn't very excited to do it, but I was just doing it because I just wanted to see what would happen. Posted that video and I just, I named it Chef PK because I knew it's easier to spell, it's easier to find, whatever. So I just named it Chef PK, which now I kind of am debating on walking back on because I don't actually have a kitchen, but I might be buying a food truck soon, so that'll change. Wow. Yeah. So put up the video. I left for like a weekend or something. We went out to Bend out here in Oregon and just had some time off. And I started getting all these notifications on my phone. And I'm like, what the hell? Because I never turned them off for when people would sub or comment. And I guess like somebody on Reddit got a hold of that video and posted it to Reddit and it had gotten like three or 4,000 views in the first like couple of days on a channel with no subscribers. I'm like, oh, I know what this means. So I told my wife, I was like, I got to go home, right? Like, and she 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 had to stay <laughs> for work. So I left a little bit early and I was leaving that day anyway. So I just left a little bit earlier, got home. I recorded the next one and I uploaded it. And then just perpetuated it, right? And kept going and going and going. And I just fed into it. I fed into the beast. That was in 2019. I started the channel, April 2019. And I did reaction content 
all the way through 2019. I think we hit like 50,000 subs by the end of it, which is insane. And then 2020 comes around and we're doing well. My wife and I had a trip to Scotland planned because we had made some money from YouTube, like enough to like buy us plane tickets. And I was like, that's cool. Went to Scotland. And while we're in Scotland, pandemic hit because this is March, right? March 2020. And the president's like, yo, we're shutting everything down. I was like, oh shit, we got to get home. So <laughs> this, this was on the 14th. Yeah. They announced the border closures for the 15th. So we're like scrambling. Amsterdam airport's insane. We're like trying to get home. We have to fly to Seattle instead of Portland. Or no, we have to fly to Vancouver, Canada. And then from there to Portland, it was like 20 hours of flying. But we ended up getting home. And I called my boss who I was managing the restaurant for. And he was like, well, let's just come in see what happens. No one really knows what's going on. I was there for a week before they laid off half the staff, including me. And I was like, who's hiring chefs right now, right? Restaurants are done. Like, what do you do? So I was making enough from AdSense and Patreon from the community to where it helped us like pay some bills. And I like sold my car to like help pay for anything we needed, just like got rid of stuff. And literally just, I talked to my wife, I was like, do I just go all in with YouTube, making like $2,000 a month, right, on YouTube. And we just went for it and just kept feeding into the cycle, making no money, literally. The channel hasn't been profitable until six months ago, right, over the course of three and a half years because I just keep feeding money into it because I want it to grow and I want to do bigger things that I'm doing now. But that's really where the channel kind of started and has kind of gone, And going from the reaction stuff, I very much appreciate where it brought me, but I regret bringing it on alongside the food because of how YouTube works. When I removed all the reaction stuff, after like six, seven months, my channel took off because they're two completely different mediums. People who watch NASCAR probably don't care about the Great British Bake Off. Why would you have those both on the same channel? right? Same thing. People who watch reaction content normally don't care about cooking content, but I, for anybody who's listening for like, maybe wants to start a YouTube channel. The reason why I removed reactions from my channel along with a few other big reasons, the biggest reason was copyright infringement, right? Huge, huge. They could shut down your channel immediately if they see fit. But also I got an email earlier today from the director of anime NYC who's a friend of mine now, he invited me as like a food personality who loves anime. He would have never invited a reaction creator because your reaction content, as much as I do watch it, you're taking other mediums and you're using it. The anime industry in Japan, they hate it. There's no fair use laws in Japan. So I removed every single video. My YouTube coach, he's like, Paul, do not delete those videos. Do not. I was like, no, I'm doing it. <laughs> it was it was like 90 videos or something and like 10 million views. And I was just like deleted, right? I moved those all to a second channel and that second channel got nuked within like three months. They just nuked the channel. They're like copyrights on every single one. And YouTube was like, bye-bye, right? So imagine if that was on my main channel. And that's when I just started going full into more of the food stuff, but also from a creative perspective, it's way more fulfilling, 100% way more fulfilling. I get to teach, which is a big passion of mine, provide some form of education, even if it's edutainment, like Mark Rober style, 
it's been a much better journey mentally than the reaction stuff was. That's why we're here now. So I know it was, a, it was a very long answer, but there are a lot of moving parts as to why I decided to be like, nope, no reactions, sorry. And people still ask for them. You know, I'm like, nope, sorry guys, can't, not gonna come back in that capacity. You know, if if like some Japanese company says, we want you to react to our new cooking anime and we won't like strike, I'll do it, but maybe not on the main channel. A running theme with your channel and something I even mentioned in the intro is the concept of community. And I think a big part of your channel is building a community around food. So what is your goal when it comes to sharing these anime inspired food videos with your community? The biggest goal is, or I guess the, the reason for being is the fact that the anime community as popular as anime is and as much money as it makes, it's still an underserved community in a lot of ways. Uh, and you guys know this, where I grew up also going to conventions, right? Like I, I've gone to Anime Expo since 2007 when it was like a baby show, basically. And you see that people who enjoy anime typically enjoy Japanese adjacent culture, right? They enjoy the food. They enjoy the the memes. They enjoy the anime. They enjoy the, the Tori Gates, whatever. And... The reason why I wanted to do what I did is because I can't tell you how many comments I've read of, oh man, like I wanted to see you try the Luffy diet, but those ribs look really cool. Like I kind of want to try making those and I don't really cook. I had a kid. He's probably 12 years old, right? This was at Rose City Comic Con and we had a little booth. My wife did this crazy great job on making a a Japanese style ramen cart for my booth, right? From like Ikea. It was amazing. (laughs) Had this, had this kid roll up with his family. And I told people I was going to be there, you know, like, hey, guys, come see me, come grab some merch, whatever. He's 12. He's dressed up as Law from One Piece, right? It's his favorite character, Law. And he comes up and he's like super shy and he wanted to say hi. And his mom's like, he's been watching you for two years. I'm like, you've been watching cooking content since you were 10, right? And his mom's like, yeah, he cooks all the time now for us. He tries to play in the kitchen and make dinner and try new things. And he wanted to buy your books. I'm like... No, no, they're on me. I literally gave him the books. So I was like, here, take posters, take pins, grab pictures, like go do great things, kid. You know, that's what I want to see more of. But that kid probably would have never tried to cook if it weren't for maybe seeing like one of my anime related videos. That's the connection I'm trying to make because you never know. You never know who you're going to influence, right? Would that kid watch, you know, someone like Josh Weissman who does just strictly cooking videos? Maybe not because he doesn't relate to that person. Whereas with me, I'm like, I'm the guy with the Pikachu tattoo on my arm, you know, like <laughs> come say hi. Like and it's, it's cool. Yeah. So that's the biggest reason why I wanted to bring those two cultures together. And also when you guys know, when you watch anime, especially shonen anime or a slice of life anime, food is a big part of those anime, right? Watch K on and tell me there's no food in any of the episodes right? There's always something. Kaon's amazing, by the way. I freaking love Kaon. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Yeah. Cute girls doing cute things, right? Like that. that's it. It's yeah. just adorable. Um, I, I'm gonna, You're I, speaking Yanni's language right dude, now. Dude, I love it, right? Yeah, truly. But like, you have to imagine the person watching it, they're seeing the girls from Kaon sitting down in their classroom and they're enjoying like cakes or whatever. As a human, you see that and you're like, I really want to experience that but I don't have the skill to do it. 
then maybe you come across one of my YouTube videos of me making something from, you know, K-On! And then you make it for your friends and all of a sudden you're reliving that scene that you saw on the show, you know, in a different capacity. That's why I wanted to bring it along because I know that there's people who enjoy it. So maybe you can clarify this for us, at least from your perspective as a chef. Why does food in anime always look so good? Like, what yeah. is it about animated food that looks amazing? You know, you can understand if it's like in a Ghibli movie or like a Makoto Shinkai movie where like everything already kind of looks amazing yep. and they're applying that level of artistry to the food as well. But you could have like a really just not that good looking show where the food just still looks amazing. It seems like almost a universal law, basically. Yeah, unless it's uh, Gintama, you know, that that, that show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show so much. So I don't know if this is an urban legend or not. I think it had to do with like years ago. It was an anime that came out. I couldn't tell you the name of it. Like the cabbage that they had. In the, I think it was specifically cabbage. It was like a square with like a line. And it was supposed to be cabbage. And like the the whole world exploded. But like, how do you call this cabbage? What, do you, what is happening? <laughs> and so there was this huge movement to make food look good in anime. And I... And I Again, I am not 100% sure, but I think there are studios dedicated to only animating the food part of some shows. They're like contracted, like, hey, yo, can you do this? We suck at, you know, slicing tomatoes, whatever. But (laughs) the reason I think food looks so good in anime is because you can't experience it other than a visual effect. So you have to make it look good. Because when you're watching Goku fight, you know, Jiren or whatever it is, like there's visuals and sound and you can kind of, you know, you're there, whatever. But then if you're watching a cooking scene, like in Weathering With You, where she's making like the potato chip fried rice, it's a beautiful scene. They're showing everything, right? They're showing like the egg yolk broken, whatever. And you have to think your brain associates like, I know what eggs taste like. I know what potato chips taste like. I know maybe what fried rice tastes like. And you start to think you're like, It looks so good, I can taste it. If it didn't look good, be like, yo, this is garbage. I don't want this. I'm going to go get something else. I I think it had to do with that first movement, and then it just kind of carried through. Even if you watch Princess Mononoke, which which is Ghibli, if you watch the scene where Sun is eating the rice with green tea, even just that of him pouring the tea over the rice, it looks beautiful, but it's just tea and rice, but they have to make it look good. Because it's a very major part. He's making him food so they can sit and talk and have this conversation. Same thing in Weathering With You. They're making potato chip fried rice, you know, to have this fun, playful thing to sit and talk and have a conversation about a story point. So it's a big part of the story. And that's honestly why I think they do it. And like people talk about Food Wars. Food Wars is the ultimate version of that where I've, okay, you know, PG-13, I feel like I've had sexual experiences <laughs> by eating food, you know? It, it's very true. You, you have to think. That like, is true. Like, That's absolutely right. true. You, you eat something and it releases something very primal in your brain. Like you just black out, right? Whether or not, whether or not it's so good, you don't know how to act or it triggers a childhood memory. You know, it triggers something else like the other day, something very simple. My best friend and I, the one who I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z with and whatever, we just went to In-N-Out in San Diego. But like we used to go to In-N-Out once a week where like we would walk to In-N-Out and get burgers and In-N-Out has been consistent this entire time. So like we both ordered our two double doubles and we just sat there and ate them and had a conversation. I'm like, damn, this is childhood for me, right? I went and got a burrito the next day, a carne asada burrito in San Diego from the place that's been there for 25 years. Same thing, right? 
But in Food Wars, you can't taste the thing. So the characters having them go naked is really <laughs> them experiencing a sexual emotion from the food being so good right you guys have done it you've eaten something you're like oh god what (laughs) right you're not gonna like you're not gonna be drawing something i've said exactly that for sure you're not gonna be drawing something and be like oh god right you're not gonna do that (laughs) it it doesn't make sense so that's why in food wars they they use that as an element of saying this food is so good it's going to make you moan right that's why i think they do that in anime these days it makes a lot of sense. I think I have those kind of same memory-related experiences like when I go home and I have my parents cooking that they, they both cook a lot mm-hmm. and they kind of cooked our entire childhood. That was a big part of family eating dinner together every single night or like going back and having food. Like I have a lot of family in, in Spain and Argentina and Israel. So having like food from those countries yep. is kind of also the same thing. So it is just kind of an aspect of, of food itself that I guess gets translated into anime form. I wanted to ask a little bit about your creative process for making videos. How do you go through deciding what dishes to make and then developing the recipes? Can you just sort of tell us how that process goes? For sure. So like the things that I've been doing the most of are like character diets, like deep diving into a show, like doing multiple dishes from a show as kind of a storytelling element than just saying, I'm going to make this from this. It's me challenging myself in a way to say, I've chosen three different dishes and I'm going to try to make them all in one day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And it's more about the challenge in that aspect. Like I'm eating My Hero Academia food all day, whatever it might be. It sounds super basic, but like I just do my research. Uh, I, I literally start with Crunchyroll and I open Crunchyroll and I see like what's popular. I'm like, oh, that looks like a fun show. Let me watch it. And I'll watch pretty much the entire thing that's available for that season. I don't use anime as as this jumping off point. I use it as the starting point where I'm like, no, I have seen all of Chainsaw. I've read all of Chainsaw Man. Like I've watched all of Chainsaw Man. Like I've watched all of My Hero. I haven't read all of My Hero because I started watching it. I have this weird thing where if I start the manga, (laughs) I finish the manga and then I watch the anime. But if I start the anime, I won't read the manga. Like (laughs) I was 300 chapters into One Piece, right? And I didn't know Luffy's name was pronounced Luffy. I thought it was Luffy. (laughs) Because I've never <laughs> seen an episode of the anime, right? Literally nothing. I only have had read it up until then. And I even made a mistake in a video. I called him Luffy. And everybody's like, Luffy? I was like, yeah, it's it's Luffy. And I watched episode one. I was like, oh my God, it's Luffy, right? Like I had no idea. You know, it, it is what it is. I don't care. Like I just own it. It's like, yeah, I just read the manga. Have you read the manga? Anime watcher, right? Like, <laughs> um, But I, I think with the creative process, it always starts with what gets me kind of excited to do first and like the Pokemon one that I just recently filmed where I think I'm really into Scarlet right now playing Pokemon Scarlet like I love going around catching stuff but there's this huge food element and I love Spanish food that's cool can we make a menu to like if someone wanted to enjoy this throughout their day and have friends over how do I make recipes that they could also do that are not super over the top you don't need to go buy truffles you don't need to go all this crazy crap like it's an egg sandwich right? It's an elevated egg sandwich. But I also said in the videos, like just scramble the eggs. If you don't want to do it this way, I don't care. You're not, you're the one eating it, right? You're not gonna hurt my feelings. The creative process also stems in a lot of ways with like the shonen stuff I've been doing. Chainsaw Man is going to be coming, which that's going to be interesting eating like him and his diet because it contains a lot of blood. 
So how do those kind of videos work? Like, right. are, are all those diets canon? Like, how much extrapolation are you doing here? Oh, so I am pulling a lot out of my ass. And the reason <laughs> for that is because you can't actually eat like Goku for a day. You can't yeah. actually eat like Luffy for a day. There's no, you would just die. You would just straight up, you'd be dead, right? You would literally kill yourself. So the way I try to approach it is say, okay, Goku is this height and weight. Realistically, a human at his height and weight who trains this much should eat this much, but we're also going to eat the things that he eats, right? The reason why I do it that way is because when I was a kid, I was super heavy. I was like 300 pounds and like I used anime to, to really get me to work out. So I'm like, I wanted to be like Goku. Actually, I wanted to be like Ichigo before Goku, right? I was like, yo, Ichigo is cool, right? Ichigo's Mugetsu or Mugen version of Ichigo was the first cosplay I ever did. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. I just like taped up my body. It was so jank. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I try to say, okay, 15-year-old me. There are a lot of 15-year-old me's out there. They want to be like Goku or they want to be like Ichigo or whatever. What do they think? How do I make it in a realistic setting for them? And the, the most accurate one was really was Deku, where I did Deku's diet for a day. It was like, you take the character. I really enjoyed My Hero Academia. And I say he's, let's say he's 15 years old. He needs to eat this much. You just make food. And you go about the day, but then you train like him. You try to find the diets. I use people like Jack's Blade who have anime workouts. I actually am a personal trainer. I have a cert- have my personal trainer certification. So like I kind of know some of that stuff, which is really weird. But <laughs> it, it just allows me to tell a story of these characters and try to see what they had gone through to achieve that physique or whatever. And it's very surface level because they're doing this for years. So you can't really do that on YouTube. And it's just a way of me saying, why am I going to be making this food and what am I going to do with it? Because most people are not going to make three or four meals in a day and then do nothing. They might be working out that day. They might be at work. They might be at school, whatever. So it's like just giving a reason for that video to exist. I think it's super important. Like the Chainsaw Man video, I asked my audience, I'm like, on Twitter or on Discord, what do you guys think Chainsaw Man would eat? Majority of people said eat blood, you know? So I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, then you can do, you know, you could do blood sausage, blood pudding. Uh, there's a couple of Filipino dishes that use pork blood. There are blood dishes out there. So I'm like, maybe I'll just be eating blood and the thumbnail is just going to be blood everywhere. There's going to be blood on the table, <laughs> you know, no food, just blood everywhere. But also I just filmed a Chainsaw Man video where I recreated the scene where, have you guys seen it yet? Have you guys watched yeah. the final episode? There's no spoilers here because it's just based on the the ending scene. In the ED, it's Aki, Power, and Denji eating dinner, right? I'm recreating that. That's super cute. Like friends came yeah. over and we're eating and, you know, it's a kind of that communal thing. Yeah. And those are fun too, but those are more as a service. Like, hey, I'm just going to show you how to make this stuff. But I also had two other recipes in that. One of them being toast. Or just literally just had toast. That was very important to chance ve- on man. Very important. I didn't even make the bread. Cause I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> y'all are gonna make the bread or you guys just want to eat the damn toast? <laughs> I've kind of had a 180 in that method a lot of the time where personally, I'm not going to make a loaf of bread every time I want toast. I will go buy bread and I will eat the toast. You're you're really assassinating like Joshua Weissman out here. And but that's the thing is I've made I've made Shokupan like four or five times on my channel. I don't need to do it again. I made bread for a living. 
Like I, I woke up at 3 a.m. and I'm at a bakery making sourdough by hand. I know what goes on. You have into nothing it. to prove. No, I have yeah. nothing to prove. I'm like, bro, I will be the first jackass to go buy bread. You know? Like I will just be like, yep, good bread, good, bad bread, still good, you know? Eat it. There, there's something to be said about that. I, I think that all of us value our time. If you want to spend the time to make bread, there are bread recipes. If you want to spend the time to make a crazy food wars recipe, I have recipes for that, whatever it is. The majority of the time though, as a human and you guys as well, you're not going to do that from scratch, right? Even if you want to make a pizza, pizza dough is literally the easiest thing. You put it in a blender, you zoom it around a little bit, you got dough in like two hours. I will still go buy dough from the local market and be like, yo, I got the hardest part out of the way. Let's let's have fun with the other stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think... What I'm trying to do with my channel and and my brand and everything is break a lot of those barriers because we have had this huge resurgence of like everything from scratch, make your own sourdough starter, do all this because of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. People were at home. I'm like, yo, I've been cooking for 20 years. Uh, Probably of that, it's been about 17 of them professionally. We bought bread, honey. Like in our restaurants, we bought bread, you know? For the most part, you're not making bread for a thousand people a night unless that's what you specialize in. So I, I try to, when I create videos, I keep the other person at the end of the lens in mind, right? I'm like, what is this person doing? They are 15 years old, 16 years old, you know? And then I have people who are like 35, 40. The 35 and 40 year olds, they can do that. They can go make bread or whatever. But the 15 year old, maybe he just wants to make a really good teriyaki chicken rice bowl or something. He doesn't want to make a sauce from scratch. Cool. Buy this bottle of Suyu from Amazon and use that. I That's what I do. <laughs> like straight up. Like I talk about it all the time and it's become this thing on my channel sometimes. Like, oh, there's Paul with a Suyu again. I was like, it's delicious. Bottle that's like <laughs> five bucks, you know? Like what's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. So that's where my creative process comes in is really thinking about the audience first and then like using the anime to then use whatever culinary knowledge I have and then research on top of that to, to formulate a video. Have you ever had a recipe that just didn't work or a video that you had to mm. scrap because the recipe failed? I've never scrapped a video because a recipe failed. I just like showing my mistakes. I also don't test recipes. A lot of people are like, oh man, how many times? Like never, literally just go for <laughs> it. And if I make a mistake, I own it. There was one video where I did the $10 cake versus the $1,000 cake from Food Wars and I burnt the pancake. And I only made enough, it was a souffle pancake, I only made enough batter for those that I was making. So I had to remake the batter and go through it all again. And I'm like, you're human. You make mistakes, right? I can't speak for other cooking channels, but I'm like, show your mistakes. If you have mistakes, it makes you more human. That's all it is. It's just relatability. Moving on to what you mentioned, your brand, you've involved yourself in a number of ventures beyond your YouTube channel. You have a podcast yourself now, Foodtaku. Mm-hmm. You also have Food Fight Academy, two recipe books, and a merch line, and hopefully in 2023, that food truck. Yeah. How have you felt expanding into these different directions, and what new ventures do you actually have planned for the new year? It's been a very slow process with a lot of those, and I feel like we're accelerating now because we're able to find enough income to like hire some editing help, which takes up a ton of my time, which allows me to do the other things. Like the first cookbook, actually the first two cookbooks took me 
about a year to write. I think there's only 30 recipes, right? But because we had illustrators and we had artists work on it, you know, you have all that timing in there. But uh, before that, it was just like, all I focused on was doing video. And even now I'm still learning. There's always room to learn for me, especially like how to bake better videos and stories and stuff. As far as like the brand goes, like with Food Taku, that was actually, the idea was approached to me by my co-host, Emily, and we met at Anime Expo and we had a great conversation. And she's like, literally a couple weeks later, you want to start a podcast? I was like, sure, <laughs> you know, let's do it. And, which is difficult because she's in Japan and I'm in Portland. So we make it work. It's fun. As far as Food Fight Academy goes, that's my experiment of making like Totsuki Academy from Food Wars where we're in there, we're talking about anime, we're talking about food, we're talking about recipes. And and it really comes down to just being around people who have similar interests, right? Like whether or not you like one thing or the other, there's something there for you. And the Food Fight Academy is going to play a big part because it's still kind of in, in beta with Discord. It's going to play a big part into the future food truck that we want to do where this idea I haven't made super public because we're still like got to hit that million subs to buy it. But the Food Fight Academy is where people are going to know like where the truck is going to be first. What menu items do they want to see at this pop-up? They're going to be able to order things for me at certain restaurants in Japan when I'm out in Japan. We're going to try to make it very interactive. I do have a few other things planned that I can't quite talk about publicly yet because of trademarks and stuff, like literally waiting for trademarks to be filed. But I'm trying to create an environment that allows people to have more fun in the kitchen. That's it. That's the end game. You know, like just have some damn fun. I could smell the tortillas my wife is making downstairs and she's just having a ball. It's like, <laughs> that's her thing. She loves making tortillas. I'm like, cool. You don't have to do anything else. Just make a tortilla. That's great. You know, she's making, she's making tortillas from scratch and I love it. People like what they like. She doesn't want to butcher a chicken or do anything like that. She wants to make tacos. I'm like, yo, go for it. Make, she's making tortillas from scratch. She's using the pulled pork I made. She's dicing up everything. We'll have tacos. Right. And so she wouldn't have done that if I hadn't kind of pushed her be like, yo, here's, here's a great recipe. And then she found a better one and then she modified it and she really got into it. She's like, now she makes tortillas. Right. So for me, it's really about me being the icebreaker for other people to start cooking. Right. And then anime is the intro to that as well. Like, oh, I can talk to this guy because he gets it. You know, he gets the memes and he gets the the fandoms. And if I hear you shipping two characters, I know what that means, right? Like I live and breathe it yeah. and I don't just use it as kind of a, as that surface level, like, oh, I'm doing something from this show. It's like, if you see a video that I've done, I have watched that show all the way through. I know of it. I, I actually, for my, I know we're gonna talk about this later for like my three by three. I had a hard time of thinking of them because I've seen so much that I don't remember names. I'm really bad with like names of anime. So I literally pulled up my <laughs> anime list and I was like, oh, we're the top thousand. I was like, oh, I've seen that. That, that is 100% that, me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like I could probably tell you what happens in the show. I couldn't tell you the show's name. It's really bad. But with what I really want to do is the end game is to have my own convention. The reason is I love conventions. I love cosplaying. There's something surreal about like, I like cosplaying as Tengen all the time. Like Tengen's my jam, right? Like I love Tengen. And my wife will be like dressed as like Cinderella in a full ball gown, full on, right? 
and we'll be like slamming shots at a bar in cosplay. <laughs> it's just so much fun, right? Like it's just, where are you going to see that? And I want to create a convention eventually where even if it just starts out with like 2000 people, right? It doesn't have to be big where the food is why people come just as much as the vendors. Because I see it from a business side. Uh, this gets really businessy. Your retention rate sucks when your food is bad because people are coming through. I was an 18, 19 year old going to anime expo, right? When your food is bad, you're buying like the bare minimum to survive until you leave the convention floor to go get real food. And that still happens to this day. Anime Expo in 2022 admittedly did a much better job. They had great food trucks there. A lot of them were really good. Some of them were complete miss. Like, why did I spend my money there? But for the most part, they did a great job. But it wasn't the reason you go. You're going to Anime Expo for everything else. So that's going to be like, I want that to happen. I want like people to show up. We'll play games. Maybe we'll have like, you know, one creator versus another doing like a cookie battle and then any, everyone in the audience is watching will get one of the cookies you know have it catered this big experience and like i can make it happen it's not hard it's just a lot of work i fed thousands of people in a single night at hotels it's not hard it's just a lot of work so you mentioned the three by three so i want to actually leave time to oh, talk yeah. about your three by three and by give three. you some give you a platform to talk about the anime that you really like so this is a recurring segment that we do with every guest that comes on the podcast. If you don't know what a 3x3 is, it's just a collection of your nine favorite anime or the anime that most resonate with you or showcase your taste in anime. And after this episode airs, we'll compile Paul's into a graphic to put on Twitter. So if you want to go see it visually, you can go check it out there. So we'll just give you the floor and you can run us through your picks and tell us why they're on here. So I had no idea what a three by three was. I had to like look it up. Uh, <laughs> but this was actually very difficult for me because I, I don't have a ton of favorites because I do enjoy so much. Right. So this was actually like, I, I have to think about it this way. Like what anime have stuck with me the longest or impacted me in a way where like, yeah. yo, I teared up, you know, I got up out of my seat, like that kind of thing. I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. So so we'll start because I'm I'm super basic. I'm like I'm I'm the pumpkin spice latte of three by three, right? So <laughs> uh, we're gonna quote that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we'll start like we'll say top left. It's gonna be Demon Slayer, and the reason for Demon Slayer is because like the the whole Tanjiro ta trying to help Nezuko kind of thing resonate. Like I lost my little sister when she was super young, so like mm -hmm. that stuff was like damn. Like okay, I I get it. So Demon Slayer plus Tengen is amazing. I don't know why I resonate with that character so much. Next to Demon Slayer is going to be Food Wars. Because it's influenced the channel so much and my life in general at this yeah. point, I will like I'm getting new headbands made like that are Naruto themed that are Food Wars related. Like it's, it's so much fun. But specifically seasons one through four. Season five doesn't <laughs> exist. So I have to there's an asterisk. Wait, so so why does why does season five not exist? Because, I have not seen any because, of Food because Wars. Because so. so bad. Season five, homeboy puts filet mignon <laughs> in a steel in a steel ball, and then he juggles it so fast to cook it to perfect medium rare. I'm like, yo, that's how all restaurants. That's exactly do it, how yeah. we all do it. You just see you just see people in the back juggling steel balls to make, you know, or or one lady who like, it's like the worst. It's oh god, I wish I had my reaction set, but. It's like the the one lady, you know, who is basically S-Death, right? From what was that anime? 
Akame got killed. Right. Okay, there it is. She's basically as death with a chainsaw and she she puts spices on the chainsaw blades to cut stuff. <laughs> so it adds the spices to the food. I'm like, yo, that's how you die from like food poisoning because of the oil and the chain. No, not gonna. She uses dynamite to cook puff pastry. I'm like, bro, can we, you know, uh, anyways. So specifically seasons one through four. <laughs> okay, next to that uh, at the top is my dress up darling. That's pretty peak to me, especially for slice of life because it's slice of life with a purpose where as a cosplayer, like I know how hard it is to go through that. And I've had friends who are so excited to cosplay, but they don't know how. So they try their best. Plus it's the whole lens of like the, the male gaze and the female gaze plays really well, but they're also awkward high schoolers and like the whole thing. I'm like, this is, it's just good. It's just, re- I've probably seen that four times, admittedly. Uh, I assume you're excited for season two. Though. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I will be, you bet I'm going to be making food from that show somehow. <laughs> like, I'm going to do it in like a full-on like Gojo cosplay. Have you read any of the source or no? I have not. And the reason is, is because I started with- uh, The anime came first. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I don't want to spoil right. it. I like, shouldn't have asked. I'm like, no, we, we deserve to have Marin animated. Okay, then we have uh, second row is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's on a lot of people's radars, but I think for me, it's on my radar because of the themes that it carries, like how difficult war is and how difficult childhood trauma can be, you know, but also the overarching story of how it brings together every single season in this beautiful finale of like, there was a reason for each season to exist. And not a lot of anime are like that. There are a lot of anime where like, when the season ends, that's kind of the end of the big bad, and then you move on, right? I think a lot of anime have learned from that. You even look at shows like My Hero Academia, where the big bad was introduced in season one. Shigaraki, right? And now like he's still the big bad. And they've had all these things happen. So for me, Full Metal Alchemist, for sure, played a lot of like life and death in that. So it, it's just a yeah. great show. I think that was a gateway to anime for so many people. For so many so people. So many people loved yeah. it. And it's there's a reason why it's still the top rated yeah. anime on Mal because yeah. it does so many things so well. No, I can't even so okay, so at Emerald City Comic Con, okay, this is this is just I wanted to I would have like Zangiefed this person into the moon had I found out who I don't it was. know what that is. Okay, so Street Fighter Zangief, <laughs> he like picks up someone and he like suplexes them, right? Okay. Just before we before we go to the next one, uh someone at Emerald City Comic Con had taken, you know, the, I forget, the little girl and the dog, right? Oh, God. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 of yeah. Course. And they, yeah. they I think we all a, know. Okay. They we were made, all traumatized They by made that. a replica of it, and they would move it around the show and just leave it in certain places, and it just oh, had a sign no. that God. said, said, Oni-san, will you play oh, with me? Oh, I'm like, God. who no, did this? No, like, oh, no. That's evil. <laughs> <laughs> right? But the thing that's is, evil. is this yeah. was only a couple years ago. And so many people walked by like, yo, that's not okay, right? It still resonates. That anime is not very recent. That anime is what, 10 years old, you know? And so you're like, oh, people still know. So that's, yeah, that one, that one's great. We're going to skip the middle because I think you guys will be surprised. We're going to skip the middle one. I I figured the middle one was (laughs) like how everything kind of plays out. Uh, We'll go to the the far (laughs) right side. This is probably recency bias, but I'm also a big fan of the genre. And that was uh, Cyberpunk Edgerunners. And okay. it, it is re- it is a little bit of recency bias. I fully admit that. But I wanted a Studio Trigger anime on this list. And I thought of Kill a Kill. I, I thought of a few others, but I'm like, Edge Runners 
it, it hits so many themes that were rough because really it's a Greek tragedy, right? Like mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of animes that end the way edge runners ended. It ended in a yeah. way where you had people on Reddit be like, yo, he didn't die at the end. They never showed it. He's going to come back as a construct. It's going to, you know, it's the very, Copium. yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> it's like the inception thing where like, was the dreidel going to drop? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. That's why I loved it, you know, and all of the themes involved and just seeing like how, the main characters were basically, they were actually side characters and Night City itself was the main character. Night City was the boss, right? The city always wins kind of thing. And so, and plus it was animated, like just by gods. I'm like, what did you guys do? Fantastic show. Did you play the video game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played the hell out Mm -hmm. of it. I actually had just upgraded my PC recently. So I think I'm going to replay it, you know, maybe with some mods or something and have some fun with it. So I, I just have to find the time. I, I thought it was great. A lot of people hated it. I'm like, yo, I basically got to live my childhood fantasy from the movie Hackers, which is the one of the greatest movies yeah. of all time, and be a hacker in a video game. I loved it. It's good. Edge Runners was definitely one of those shows that I, I talked about this on one of our previous podcast episodes where I was definitely feeling a slump with anime. I was feeling a uh-huh. little burnt out and it was so refreshing and novel in so many ways mm-hmm. and the creativeness of it, how mm-hmm. it looked, how it sounded, the actual what you mentioned, how it ended in a way that people really didn't expect was everyone looks for that happy ending. Yep. Yeah. It, it really took me and in, in, in reinvigorated my passion for anime. I, I agree because it's like you said, it just, it's so different than normal shows and, and they wanted it to be like that. They had, they had said we wanted it to play out this way and it makes sense because spoilers, you know, like Castlevania is amazing, but it did have like kind of a happier ending with regardless of everything that had happened. It's a fantastic show. Highly recommend watching Castlevania as well. Actually, a lot of Netflix anime is really good. Like Arcane, right? Arcane didn't make my three by three, surprisingly. It was a great show. It's probably- trying to get Yanni to watch that for years now. It's probably one of the best shows ever made, but I don't think it hit me like Edge Runners did. So yeah, that go watch Arcane. Damn it. I know. I'm, I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. Just watch it on a, just watch it on a long flight. You know, just download. Actually, it's like 12 hours of content, so I don't think you could. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a really long flight. Yes. Uh, go to Japan and watch it. Exactly. So b- below Edge Runners on the bottom right corner is going to be Dragon Ball Z, specifically Z, not Dragon Ball or like Super or anything, because I grew up with Dragon Ball Z. And it, to me, it's kind of like that that baseline anime where it's really where everything kind of started for me. So there is a lot of life influence that happened because of Dragon Ball Z. I think Dragon Ball Z is a fine show. It's not like the best show. It's not the worst show. It is pretty mid. Like I'll go on record saying it's mid, but it's always been there. And like the fight scenes are great. You got to train to power up to beat the dude so you can fight the next dude. It's like a, what is it? Like it's like Diablo, right? Where you're constantly getting loot to fight harder enemies to get better loot to fight harder. It's a Diablo anime. God, that's, I'm going to get so roasted for that. But I, I do <laughs> I do enjoy it. So I had to include it. Like the, the Pikachu that's tattooed on my arm is actually wearing a Goku key and he's flying on Nimbus. Yeah. Like, so yes, I enjoy, <laughs> that's cute. I enjoy, I enjoy Dragon Ball. I don't know. It's I, just my, my gateway drug pretty much. Uh, next to that is actually another trigger anime. And that's Tengen Tapa Gurren Lagann. And I think because I love mech anime, but this was so different than mech anime right now we have the witch of mercury which i'm watching and it's really good and like the fights are very close to gurren Lagann, where you're not throwing galaxies at each other right but they're faster paced they're really fun to watch if you've played zone of the enders 2 old playstation 2 mech game 
fantastic, right? It's like, it's basically Gurren Logan, but uh, <laughs> Gurren Logan, like it had all of the right tropes in it. You know, you had the shonen dude who had to grow up to save whatever. You had his senpai who met an unfortunate end. Then you have the ultimate waifu of all time. You have all these perfect tropes. You have this this thing of like humanity is getting too big for its own good. So how do you save it from itself? Which I thought was fascinating. It was very classic Shrekker when it, when everything just goes so over the top. Yep. And technically, wasn't it Gynax? It's technically Gynax, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. all the people that made Gurren Lagann that then went and started founded Trigger okay. basically after. Yeah. We'll just say it's Trigger. I mean, when we did our Trigger episode, we included it because okay. it's like yeah. spiritually in the ethos of Trigger. But you, it is like such a crazy over the top show with the fights and just like the whole, all of its messages, especially mm -hmm. early on. But then I, I agree with you that I just really liked the entire arc of the show and it kind of went places, I think, towards the end that I wouldn't have expected it would go in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really hit the feels when Simon just decides to leave everything at the yeah. end of it. Yep. And he's just like, I'm just going to wear my cloak feels. and peace out. And yep. I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it can be a heavy show, more so than like something like Kill a Kill, which I love. Kill a Kill is fantastic. But the end of that one nice. is... Correct. It, Good taste. Yeah, th that one <laughs> at, at the end, you're kind of like, okay, you know, everything yeah. kind of worked out for the most part. You know, yeah. or in, or in Gurren Logan, you're like, no, not like this, right? So yeah, it, that was yeah. that was a good one. Uh, the the next corner before the last one is going to be Naruto, and mm -hmm. because I kind of, I think more grew up with Naruto than Dragon Ball Z, and because Naruto hit like 2000, I think maybe maybe mm -hmm. or early 2000s. yeah, 20th anniversary was last year. Yeah, it reintroduced Shonen to me, you know, and I I'd, I'd watched every episode. I watched every episode every week that it came out and. The whole like ninja theme was super fascinating because they're using techniques and they're using all this stuff. And it's it is very shonen. But then when you finish Shippuden, there is that overarching story of almost full metal alchemist style. The end game is the person who started ninjutsu, basically. So like in Full Metal Alchemist, your thing is like you're meeting God who is responsible for creating alchemy and everything else. I'm like, when you put the two together, you're like, yo, who, you know, they were influenced by each other. It's really cool to see that. But also I just, I like the journey of Naruto. I like the characters like Jiraiya is one of my favorites of mm -hmm. all time. Like Itachi is just like playing 5d chess when everybody else playing checkers, you know, seeing that was super fun. I don't know why I resonate with plus it seemed as much as it had to do with like ninjutsu or magic or whatever you want to call it at that point it had more of a realistic vibe in a way where they're still human you know they're not blowing up planets for the most part but it gets wild later on i, I get that so it's uh it, <laughs> yeah that the, was the great ninja war arc was uh, a yeah. bit of a slog but i oh, mean God. honestly <laughs> i think i think the reason it resonates for so many people is because they want to see that character succeed mm -hmm. i think it was just all around a very fun anime to watch that had some very deep undertones which was really cool it wasn't meant for adults obviously but it was just it's everywhere i actually made a, a custom like naruto headband with my logo on it you know like oh wow it's like, really it's, and it's like made it's like made of metal right like it's just <laughs> it is what it is uh naruto has influenced the anime world so much on par with all these other ones so then the the last one, the one in the center, surprise us. Do you have any guesses? Do you have any guesses? No, no. I know my my list is wild. <laughs> my list is weird. We're talking about my dress up darling and Demon Slayer in the same like. Okay, so the last one is actually Haikyuu. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I would have expected. Would it's a great pick. Yeah. 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 Haikyuu 
And the big reason for this is because I played a lot of sports in high school. And so I can directly relate my past emotions with what I'm seeing on screen. Like we've lost games, we've won championships. Like we know how hard practice can be. Like there's more relatability there than something like Naruto or Dragon Ball or Demon Slayer or whatever. Like right? I'm not fighting demons, right? But like I get how difficult sports can be and like finding that camaraderie and that sportsmanship. And then like one scene where, oh my God, uh, Asahi, the guy with the ponytail, he's like saying he's going to miss hitting these spikes in like one of the last games because he's graduating that year. And like, I remember like my last game as a senior and, you know, and like playing those games and like all that stuff. But I've also watched Haikyuu probably more than any other anime. It's like, it's my go-to. And I watch it like while I'm on the treadmill at the gym, you know, I dare you to not walk faster. Like watching, like watching. <laughs> I mean, I listen to the music when the I'm music, running. And, right. And the music, that was the one in the center for me. And like, I'm actually trying to do a video where like I tried the Haikyuu diet where I'm trying to find a volleyball coach at a local high school. Like maybe they'll let me come and like play a game with them and do that and just experience <laughs> it. And like, that'll be fun. So th- those are my nine. Very this is very nine. recent for both of us too, because as Yanni said, he's watching it right now. Yeah, I just finished season three of Haikyuu, basically. Yeah, yeah, dude, it gets so good. It's really good, and and the yeah. and the Sakuga in that yes. show, yeah, can be so good. And then some panels, you're like, bro, why did you even draw that? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just skip it. Just cut it out. It make it make no difference. Yeah, it's so. All good. right, well, yeah. let's let's ask you, what was your favorite match? Was it Shiratori Zawa or was it the Abba Josai match? I want to. I think it was Alba Josai, and okay. beca- that's what I think. Yeah, too. because Shiratori Zawa, it it was it was good, but the the vibe of 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 Alba Josai, I feel like was better. Like just that one scene where who was it? Their setter from Alba Josai, Oikawa. Like, yeah, Oikawa was like Yanni's favorite character. Yeah, that's dude, my he's favorite like, character he's like, in the entire show. Right, yeah. he's like running out of bounds to like get this perfect set when they're thinking that he's just gonna like try to hit it over or whatever i'm like yo i've seen those plays like that's sick that's so good mm-hmm. yeah that was that was good but now i want to see the final like i i need this i need it to finish right i don't yeah, we're getting those two movies yeah so. i don't want to read it i just i want to see it animated <laughs> like i just ordered a brand new workout set of haiku gear and i'm like yo we're wow. we're going in yeah it's so good i love i love haiku so much one of those things that's inspired us to actually start playing volleyball together. Last week was the first time I went out to Park Slope where Yanni lives and we actually tossed a volleyball around that's because sick. he's like, oh, let's like go out and maybe try one of the open plays. And it was something that got me really into playing volleyball in New York City. I've never played volleyball. I've played a lot of sports, but not volleyball. So we'll see how this goes. Hell yeah. But it should be fun. So I, I want to ask, and we usually ask our guests this after they give their three by three, what's sort of the tying thread between your picks here and kind of just your anime taste in general? Like what stands out to you? You said you like a lot of stuff, but what really resonates with you about certain anime over others? I think for me, like if I look at this list, a lot of it has to do with relatability to my personal life, right? Where Dragon Ball Z influenced me to work out, you know, it got it got me trying to be fit naruto showed me how the underdog can win you know so you're never really an underdog if you try hard enough haikyuu same thing like the relatability of me playing sports in high school is just it's right there it's it's very face value and surface level but it's right there full metal alchemist that one's a tough one but it's kind of the sibling thing same thing with like demon slayer right like they're trying to help their family edge runners 
that one again is probably recency bias, but I it stood out the most just because it was unlike any other show I had seen up to that point, like the Greek tragedy theme in that. Food Wars, the food thing, you know, like it's part of my life. And then My Dress Up Darling, same thing. Like I cosplay a lot. So I, I think that people will eventually gravitate towards shows that make more sense for their daily life. Like there's a lot of people in our community on like Food Fight Academy or even on the channel who love slice of life stuff because they're like, oh man, I just made this thing from like laid back camp, right? Or or whatever. Yes. They, yeah, and, and it's- <laughs> I love laid yeah, back camp. And as, and as sick and as good as Arcane is, it's like, is it relatable to that person? Maybe, you know, I, I can't answer that question for you, but uh, that's that's why I gravitate towards anime more and also because you guys know this too it's very hard to find like a a real life show that have a lot of these tones and 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 meanings right you'll find some maybe they're a soap opera or whatever but like you're not going to find a live show i should say based on volleyball right but then haikyuu was responsible for like literally a spike in volleyball signups in japan Mm-hmm. Like no pun intended, definitely didn't mean to use that word, but uh, <laughs> you know, you you see that, or sure. or my my dress up darling got people into cosplay, you know, food wars got people into literally signing up for culinary school, like a fifty thousand dollar investment. That's why I like a lot of these things. That's a great answer, and so maybe we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so so much for making time for us and coming on. This was a ton of fun. Is there anything before we wrap up that you want to shout out that you want to plug your YouTube channel, anything else that listeners can go check out after the episode? Yeah. I mean, I try not to plug anything, but if you want to find me, it's just chef PK on anything. (laughs) I always try to leave with this. If you're going to do anything, instead of looking for me, just go make someone you love a meal. That's it. Don't make it for yourself. Make it for somebody else. It's way better. (laughs) Very true. All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. I think we always say that our favorite part of making this podcast so far has been getting to talk to people from different corners of the anime industry and getting to talk to people that we honestly never imagined like two years ago before we started this that we would have gotten the chance to talk to. So it's very, very cool to have experiences like this. We actually were at Anime NYC last year and Dude. saw your panel and then we gave our own panel this year. So oh, that's amazing. a lot of that kind of stuff comes full circle eventually right, I guess, well, for us if, on the podcast. If I go this year, we're getting food. Let's do it. I'm down. We'll for sure be there. Hell yeah. So. That's sick. All right. So that's been it from us. Look out for um, Paul's 3x3 three three, uh, the day after this episode uh, airs. Ravi's already laughing because he always waits for me to mess up the outro <laughs> because I refuse to script it. But this is just more authentic. I like to show my mistakes, as we've exactly. learned is critical on this podcast episode. <laughs> Our next episode is going to be our year in review anime episode for 2022. So we're going to take a look back at the year, give out our picks for a bunch of different award categories as usual. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere like that. You can find us if you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you could leave us a rating and a review, that helps the show a lot. Otherwise, check out our website, bakabanter.com and follow us on Twitter and interact with us at bakabanterpod. And we've been the Baka Banter Lads, and we'll catch you all in the next one.
I feel like I've had sexual experiences by eating food. Oh, God. Wow. Oh, my God. I just finished. Yes.